0: What's going on guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's guest is my good friend Grant Diziac. Grant Diziac is a coach who I met in Arizona at Jason Phillips Mastermind. Somebody I really resonated with. I really respected his journey and his story, and I just got a lot out of what he was teaching us and what he was talking to us about. Um, and I think that you guys, my listeners can really benefit from the lessons, the insights and revelations that he's had over his life going through his own trials and tribulations, his own ups and downs in battling his own demons, really, to get to where he is today. Um, He's somebody who has been through a lot of different things, somebody who has embarked down a lot of different endeavors and paths and journeys, and, and he's learned so much from all of it, and I love it because that's what he puts forward into his coaching. So Grant is a coach, but he has a very mysterious way of showing his coaching, and he has a very unorthodox way of coaching his clients, but it's that unorthodox way that I love so much and I wanted to bring on the show to get you guys kind of thinking out of your own mind because... He very much so focuses on the mindset behind all of this with his clients. And I feel like that's why his clients get success. And I know personally that that's such a big piece of the game. In fact, we just had the first Boom Boom Performance Mastermind here in Seattle. And I had people flying around from the country to come visit me, come learn from me a bunch, big room of badass coaches. And it was just, it's just humbling to look back and think about what just happened, to be completely honest with you. But as I was sitting down with everybody at dinner afterwards, I was reflecting and, and just realizing you know, and listening to everybody's conversations. I think that the most powerful thing that we can get from doing things like this and listening to podcasts like this and connecting with other people that have been through other things is that we're not alone. A lot of us have problems, a lot of us have insecurities, a lot of us tell ourselves negative stories, a lot of us project judgment onto other people assuming they may be thinking a certain way, a lot of us compare to others, a lot of us doubt, a lot of us create scarcity and fear, a lot of us have stress and anxiety and we all have these things. And even though they may be different situations, different problems, quote unquote, a lot of times it results back to the fact that I am not enough. You are not enough. We're not capable enough. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. We're not fit enough. We're not healthy enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough money. We can't invest enough. There's all these bullshit stories that we tell on ourselves, and it almost always boils back down to not being good enough in some way, shape, or form. And when you, when you dissect this and you kind of generalize the problem, you realize that everybody in this room, for us at the Mastermind yesterday, looking around are like, holy shit, we're all the same. You know, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that feels this way. I'm not the only one that creates this stress and anxiety and doubt in my own head. And this applies to everything, not just business, but life, relationships, your fitness journey, your nutrition, your training, everything. We all create doubt, scarcity, fear, anxiety, stress, all these negative things in our head. And the reality is is our brain will immediately go to these negative stories and we will run with those before we will ever look at the positive outcomes that we actually are seeing in our lives or that are actually possible. And we almost ignore our true potential because our brain is so wrapped up in this bullshit stories that we create in our own mind. See, I could go on and on about this because I'm super passionate about helping people understand their true potential, understand the possibilities instead of focusing on the negative shit that our brain will try to center its thoughts around. It's sad, but it's the reality. And the second you can understand this and kind of accept this, you can start to shift your brain when it happens because the reality is it is going to happen. I'll I'll be the first to admit it. I've been working on these things for a long time. And to this day, I still wake up with anxiety. I still wake up with stress. I still create doubt and fear and scarcity in my brain. But I understand it and I accept it. And it allows me to shift away from it a lot faster. And that's something we really focused on at the Mastermind yesterday is how we can do that, what practices we can put in place. And just being in a room with all these people, understanding we're all the same was just so powerful. Um, so I'm still kind of on a high from yesterday. It's just so humbling and just, I'm honored to be somebody that can bring these people out and help them grow and do the things I do. It was just unbelievably awesome. Um, so shout out to all the badass coaches who came out last night and hung out for the Mastermind. I'm super excited for the one in June here in Seattle again. Um, And this is kind of a perfect time. This is a long intro, but this is a perfect time for Grant's episode to air because, you know, I titled this episode Real Talk with Grant Dizziak for this exact reason. We didn't just talk about macros and how he gets his his clients lean or how he gets lean or anything like that. We talked about his journey. We talked about life. We talked about mindset. We talked about the battles and the struggles. And if you can kind of understand these concepts I'm talking about, I think you're going to get a hell of a lot more out of this episode. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this. Now, before we get into the episode, as always, guys, please share this podcast. It really does help us grow, and there's two ways you can do that. You can head over to iTunes. Even if you're already subscribed, you have to actually search my podcast in the search bar. So even though you're subscribed, go to the search bar, click Boom Boom Performance or type up Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Click the podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating and review. We really do appreciate those, and they help us grow in iTunes, which is super important to help us get a bigger reach, reach more people, and help more people, and you can be a part of that movement. The other way you can do that is really great too. You can actually take a screenshot of the show, put it on your Instagram story and you can tag me and Grant so we can both see who is listening to the show and then your followers can see who's the, what the show is about and hopefully they listen and they get better results and they change their mindset because the reality is is this podcast is all about free results. I want to help as many people as possible completely free and you can join that movement and you can help us do that by spreading the word. So I would really appreciate it if you took a screenshot, post it on your Instagram story, tag myself at Boom, tag Grant, at Grant Me A Body, all one word. Um, and we'll see who's listening to the show. And we would really appreciate that, guys. Without any further ado, let's get on to this awesome episode with Grant Dizziac. All right, Grant, dude, I'm excited to have you on the podcast because, like I said, you're kind of a mystery man right now. You know, like it, you, you it can't. can't happen, any- man. You, you talked about a whole bunch of different shit when you were hanging out with us in Arizona. Um, if you go to your profile, you're not specifically selling anything. And I've even watched your stories of you saying, like, I'm not selling you something. I'm just giving you this and that and lessons. And you always have a lot of wisdom talk, man. So I'm really excited to just jump into your journey. But for those who do not know who you are, can you give us a little idea, give us your story in a nutshell? Who is Grant?
1: Yeah, man. I, uh, I live in Columbus, Ohio. I, uh, I played football in college at Ohio State. I walked on there. Um, I, I'm from Ohio, I'm born and raised here. I've been here my entire life and, uh, I get it all the time. People are like, why do you stay there? Like when you can go anywhere with what you do for a living?
0: I'm like, yeah, I know. It's
1: just something I love about Ohio. It's like, and they're like, oh, it must be the wonderful weather. Right. As I look (laughs) outside, I'm like, give it like 20 minutes. it will be different.
0: But, uh, it's the same over here in Seattle. I get it.
1: But uh, no, I, I was raised uh, by pretty much my mom, my grandma, my sister, my uncle. Uh, so I had a really tight-knit group of family. I have a huge family outside of that. But um, those are the people that raised me and amazing people, super old school, like my grandma, like everything about being a gentleman, like you, you didn't open a door, hand upside the head. Um, and it was cool, like to have my mom and my uncle because they would like spin perspective on like the things that she would preach to me. Um, and then my sister, uh, I have a ton of sisters, but I have one blood sister and she is four years older than me. Uh, and I, I think everybody needs someone like my sister in their life. Cause it's like the one that took a bullet for the team in every aspect. Like she did all the dumb shit before me so that I didn't have to. And she knew I looked up to her and idolized her. So she knew she, you could tell me not to do it and I'd be like all right that's a good idea I should probably not do that so that was a little blessing in disguise uh amazing support system um after I played in college for a while I uh I got sucked up in the bar industry pretty hard uh, loved it I ran I ran venues for uh eight years total um I was at one spot for seven years right in downtown Columbus and it was such an awesome experience. Like people talk about, like the bar industry, like with shame, and it's so weird because, like, with what I do, because I I did that, and I was, and then I I, I got into like fitness coaching and stuff on the, uh, at the same exact time, and people were so confused by it. They're like, "How do you work in a bar and you bartend and you help people and you coach people?" It's like two different spectrums. I was like, "Well, first of all, it's amazing job security. I'm gonna get you hammered at the bar and make you want to fix your life throughout the week." Uh, but no, I, honestly, I love it because here's the thing is I'm big on principles. Uh, like I never looked at it like, oh, it's a bar job. And it's, you know, I, when I was a bar manager, it's like I knew girlfriends didn't really like it, uh, but it's because of the stigma that goes with it. And that's kind of where I started this whole thing of like, dude, I just want to be something different. Like, I love the fact that I, I know what the stigma is about a bar manager. It's like you're doing cocaine off one of your server's boobs at 4 a.m. in your office and like taking advantage of everything and drinking all night um like I get it I took so much pride in the fact that like I would be there till 5 6 7 a.m. it was because like servers or bartenders whoever it might be would be sitting on the ground in the office while I'm trying to like come down money and they're telling me about like their boyfriends or girlfriends or stories the things that were like messing them up or like keep them from performing well and you know again it'd be really easy for me like that's not a job I'm not a therapist but I knew like my job was a manager. My job was to produce and make sure everything ran smoothly. And I started learning really early on, like the better an individual would be in every other aspect of their life, the better they could perform like in business or in whatever capacity we're talking about. So I always loved doing that. That's where I took the pride in it. But uh eventually I hit a point where I was super sick of the hours. I couldn't sustain it six days a week anymore. And uh throughout that time I had a pretty pretty large weight loss. you know, I did the typical thing that most, like, college athletes do. They get done playing sports where you have somebody on your ass 24-7. And then you're like, I'm an athlete. Well, like, three years later, you're still acting like Uncle Rico. And you're like, I'm a, I'm a football player. <laughs> and uh, you're still eating the same way, but you're not training the same way. You're not as active. And then you got, you know, working at a bar. Like, yeah, I did drink a lot more. Uh, but I got to the point where I was about 295. And... I think in about five months, and I don't recommend this to anybody, it was kind of a, there's a lot of aspects that changed my life drastically. Uh, But I went from 295 down to 225 in about four and a half, five months. Jesus. Um, And I think the biggest aspect of that was, like, I wasn't starving myself by any means. I totally changed my diet. Uh, I quit drinking on a dime. And it was so bizarre because, like, I just wanted to see what I could do. And... It wasn't just like, you know, people go out all the time. They're like, oh, drinking alcohol. Like, how many calories are in this vodka water? Like, it's just 97 calories in this shot of vodka. No, it's not just that. It's, It's that. It's the mixers you have. It's the chasers you drink with it. And then what does it do to your hormones? What does it do to your metabolism? Uh, It's the shit food you eat afterwards because you don't care as much about it. And you're going to justify that in your head that it's okay. And you probably forget about it by the time you wake up in the morning with a hangover. But you haven't slept really well. So you don't have recovery at all. And it's like think of the, the most basic bros out there. Like, let's go to the gym and like get a sick pump on, and then we're gonna go out. We're gonna drink. So you're gonna work out really hard. Then you go out and dehydrate yourself all night. You're gonna sleep like shit. You're gonna wake up the next day, and eventually it catches up with you, where like I was, and I was like, man, can't even see my dick when I look down. Like, like what is this belly? Uh, so I had a huge weight loss transformation. Didn't really do much with social media at that point. That was back in like 2014, and I think it was uh, about it was 2015 when I, I, I got really sick of working in the bar all the time and, um, took on training clients and I kind of done it my whole life. I loved fitness and I loved training. I just didn't know what I was doing business wise. And, uh, the guy that told me, he's like, why don't you train clients? And I was just like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll do that. And, uh, that was on a Thursday and he, there, I remember being like, yeah, you know, it's going to be a really slow, rocky start. It, it's hard, at first. You have to give away sessions. You have to build a reputation for yourself and a name and get testimonials. And then you can start, like, raising prices and increasing stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And that was Thursday. And then I went to the bar and I bartended all weekend. And by Monday morning, I had, like, 60 clients. And <laughs> and they were like, what the hell? And I was like, what the hell? And I was like, what did I do? <laughs> I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I was training clients, like, one at a time, every hour, on the hour. And, I, I mean, I was – I thought it was awesome because that whole idea of like grinding hard and working and being busy. Uh, but it was not efficient at all. And uh, but, I mean, it took, it took me a couple months, but I started getting a lockdown on it. And I started learning as I went along, a lot of trial and error, but I loved it. And then I started moving into more online training because um, I realized I could scale that and I could reach more people. Um, did that, went and did a huge business endeavor with uh, a, a guy that was a good friend of mine at the time. Um, pretty rough experience with that uh, financially uh, and, and it kind of forced me into this whole situation last year where um, I spent the majority of the year being broke and uh, so I went from growing up not a ton and then I lived in like abundance for a really long time because I was bartending and I was training clients and it was just like there was more money than I knew what to do with I wasn't like cocky or arrogant about it I just I didn't I'm like I never get Give a shit, like, if I went to the grocery store, what I was buying, how much food I would throw away, or like, I would just buy shit just to buy it sometimes. And then I went to a year where it was like, you felt like you like hit the jackpot if you put your credit card in to get groceries and it got approved, and it was like, yes, like this is a good day. Uh, so you know, and it was awesome to strip me down from so many non-essentials in life. And uh, the one thing I always say about it that it had the biggest impact on me is it was the most broke I'd ever been. And the richest I ever felt. And it kind of like propelled me into everything I do now.
0: So explain that last part. You know, one of my first questions was going to be what would the mental shift was from losing that much weight? Because that's a huge lifestyle change, man. You have to go through some mental barriers and mental shifts and changes. Um, so I'd love to hear that. But then I also want to touch on that last part you just said. Like the brokest you've ever been, the richest you've ever felt. Like explain why that was and what lesson you've taken away from that. So we can kind of get an idea of what you're doing now and why you live the way you live now.
1: Yeah. Um, I think, I think so many of us are always focused on the external and arbitrary stuff. Um, you know, we're, we're attacked. Like, like when you ask somebody what their fitness goals are, they don't ever say like, dude, I want to feel better in my own skin. Like very, I mean, some will, but most of them are just like, I want to be at this, body fat they don't even know what that means they just know it's less than where they're at currently or they heard somebody talk about it in a magazine one time they go i want to be at this body weight my goal weight is this well why is your goal weight that like does that mean like what if we drop that much fat off of you does that mean we also have to cut off muscle also to actually hit you get you down to that like you don't know what it means we're attached to arbitrary things business i want to make a million dollars what if you could make 20 million dollars like what why why put limits on stuff because we're attached to arbitrary things because we associate these arbitrary things with successes in those fields. So, you know, on the financial aspect, you know, like growing up with not very much, we all like, no matter what realm we're in, we all think the grass is greener on the other side. So you don't grow up with a lot. What do you want? I want a lot of money. I don't want to, I don't want to live this way. You know, and with that being said, I, I always want to make sure it's very clear. Like, my mother is a freaking saint. This woman worked her ass off 24-7, that we never needed anything. She made sure everything was taken care of in that capacity. But it's not like we didn't, weren't going on vacations. And I learned to appreciate the hard work and money from a super young age. So, you think you want money, you think money's going to be what fulfills you and, and, and makes you whole and everything. So, we chase money. We chase money. We chase weight on a scale. We chase a certain uh, poundage to bench press, uh, a certain status of a relationship. We taste all these things, but we never worry about the internal processes of how we're getting there. Um, you know, it's not that you want to make a million dollars. It's that you don't want to have what it really is. You don't want to have the stress of not knowing where your next meal is going to come from. You don't want the stress of feeling less, And especially super strong for men is, you know, the, the, the issue of toxic masculinity and, you talk to any guy. No guy's going to be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm pretty broke right now. They're like, oh, yeah, dude, I'm doing good. You know, like, you know, oh, no, I, just, I can't go out tonight, though. But, you know, yeah, you look at my Rolls Royce over there. Look at my big-ass watch. Or whatever. Like, dude, it, it's, it's stupid. It's all these external things. Like, we feel the need to validate ourselves to others. Um, and I think especially when we talk in the realm of money, you know, how I say it was the most broke I've ever been and the richest I ever felt. It, it was the most honest I ever became with myself about where I was in life and in that capacity start factoring in, like social media. What can you do? If you don't like something about yourself, you can go on social media and create this whole avatar of what you want to be or act like you're a big time baller or, you know, you can fake it as much as you want. The problem is what I think leads to so many of like the mental issues. A lot of people are dealing with nowadays. Uh, and that's not to undermine them, but it, so much is based around social media because at the end of the day, that is not you. It creates this whole identity crisis, but we don't just do it on social media. We do it in our social settings. We do it around our friends, colleagues, whatever, because we suppress all these things that we are. And when we do that the majority of the day, and then we have, what, 20 minutes when we're alone by ourselves in bed at night before we fall asleep or we're watching TV and we realize who we truly are. Like, you need to do that shit all day long. When you're honest with yourself, you can address the issues in your life. I was able to be honest with myself and quit sugarcoating everything for myself because you do it enough for other people. You start doing it to yourself and you start believing it in yourself because it's way harder to think that you're, you're, you're not where you want to be. You're not what you consider to be successful. Um, and it made me quit equating six, like money with success. I started equating fulfillment with success and happiness. And the strangest thing happened when I started doing that, the money just started coming. And, and, you know, I know that sounds like a, total woo woo like oh just be happy and you're gonna make money no when you realize what you have when you realize your value in the world uh and much more in the marketplace but you quit marketing it and trying to be like oh i'm trying to make a dime and, and living in a scarcity mindset even though i was in a scarcity mindset like how much fucking worse could it get like i it's not like i could lose money i don't have any money So what do I have? I have me. And that's where the only value I have to give. So I better play that card. And you start playing that card. You start being authentic and you start being vulnerable. and You start sharing what you realize is everybody else is in the same boat. Like, you know, we, everybody talks about society. We talk about weight loss. We talk about body image. Well, society makes me feel like I should be this, or I feel like I need to uphold this standard because based on society, like who do you think makes up society? It's us. It's all of us. And if I feel that way and you feel that way and she feels that way, Maybe we all feel this way, but we all just suppress it. We all hide it. And it's just like, nobody wants to be the first person to dance at the prom. But as soon as someone jumps on that dance floor, everybody else goes out there. So, like, what if one person sets the platform for other people to feel comfortable be like, yeah, like, I feel this. Like, I have mental issues. I have body image issues. I have issues with my business. I have these things because that all equates back to being honest with yourself. And, like, think about it. Like, when you're saying, like – you know, you're telling me about how you like you hurt your knee. How bad do you not want to go to the doctor and find out what's actually wrong with you? Because right. As soon as you, as soon as you do, it's in concrete. But guess what? If you were to deny it, you would experience issues and pain your entire life. It's not like it's just going to cure itself. It's hard to hear the truth. It's hard to hear like the facts of, uh, of the bad side of it. But guess what? As soon as you do that, you can find a cure. Now you know exactly what surgery you need. You know, it's like, you know, and I always make the comparison. It's like, if you're walking around and you have cancer and you're trying to deny it, but you know, there's a health issue with you. What do you, I'm, I'm going to take some Tylenol. I'm going to take some Tylenol. Hopefully it's going to cure whatever's wrong with me. Because you don't want to go to the doctor and face the hard truths of what's actually wrong with you. We do it all the time. We do it in every aspect of our lives. We deny the things that are actually wrong with us or where our shortcomings are, where our pitfalls are. Dude, the quicker you own up to those things and take full responsibility for fixing them instead of putting the blame on other people who are like, feeling like, Oh, I'm in this situation because so-and-so did this. Like I never once looked at my situation last year and said, this is somebody else's fault. No, it was every aspect of it was my fault. Because of that, I wasn't waiting on somebody else to fix. It. I wasn't waiting for someone else to come in and save me. I had to do it myself. And that's the problem. We, we don't face what the hard truths are. And because of that, we put the blame on other people when you put the blame on other people we also put the responsibility on other people to fix it we want other people like Will Smith has a, has, a, has a cool speech on about like fault and responsibility like dude it's not my fault that I grew up in an ab- abusive father like it's not does that suck yeah but if I, I'm not going to gain anything in life if I just hold on to that resentment and, and that anger forever it's my responsibility that to make something out of it
0: I love and- that dude Oh so God. many, so many big keys in there. I, th- I posted something in. Uh, so we have the mastermind this weekend, and I'm I'm basically posing questions, and everybody has to film their answer. And one of the, to yesterday's question was, "What is the biggest lie you're telling yourself?" And every single person, in some way, shape, or form, basically said, "I am not enough" in some capacity, and none of them were speaking out before about this. Right? Yet we're all the same, except we all think we're alone. Right? So I, I 100% agree. Now my question for you. You you mentioned you had a pretty big uh, situation happen. I think it was business related with a partner or something, some kind of reality check, kinda of got broke, and now you're in this position where you were kind of forced to see these things and forced to really examine your life. What what do you give clients to do? What do you advise people to do that basically we don't want to wait for some shit storm to happen, but we need to have this reality check before something does happen? Like what practices, what, what things are you doing with your clients to help them get into this mindset? Because I agree Literally everything you just said, man, I agree so much and I've experienced so much of the same things, like right on the money. But I'm just curious, what do you put into play for people to actually start shifting? Right. So uh,
1: I think that the, the, the biggest shifts that people make is, or, or that one person can make, I mean, there's so many variables you factor in, like factor in insecurities, uh, insecurities, embarrassment of things, um, comfort levels of things. Uh, our ability to be honest or dishonest with ourselves, even. So it's like it's just a whole shitstorm of stuff that, like, you're like everyone for the most part are waiting for all the starts to align perfectly before they can like achieve where they're trying to get to. On top of it, being motivated. On top of it, not dealing with depression or anxiety or worrying about what other people think about them or impostor syndrome or all this different bullshit out there. Um, you know, and and like kind of like you said, how I went through all these things my biggest goal in life is to never have anybody that I can reach have to go through and experience the bullshit I've gone through. Because here's the thing at the end of the day, like we talk about society does this and society does this. There's a lot of people out there and guess what? There's 8 million people on this planet. And I always say like, if the odds that somebody else is going through the same struggles that you've gone through, but if you're here right now, you figured out a way to get through that. You're past that now. If you don't share your roadmap to do that and help other people out, you're an asshole. Like so many people get resentful and it's like that whole hazing thing. Well, I had to go through it. So they need to go through it also. So, um, but the easiest way to get through all of those different lies, all that different, those different aspects and variables, dude, you gotta cut the bullshit story you're telling yourself. It's, it's the only thing you can do. And, and by that there's two stories always running. There's reality, what everyone perceives. And then there's bullshit. There's the things that we're telling ourselves to cover up our insecurities, to cover up all those things I talked about that we don't want other people to know about, that we're scared to be vulnerable about, that we don't want to put out there. Um, And I'm not even talking in the capacity like, oh, I have to put this on social media. But I'm talking about if I'm broke, most people don't want to admit that. They don't want to feel that pain, the the, the stress, the anxiety of being broke. So they also don't want other people to know that they're broke because then they're embarrassed by it. So what do I do? I I lie to you. I tell you a bullshit story. And if I tell you it strongly enough and if I can convince you of it, maybe I can convince myself of it, which is going to help me relieve myself of that stress. At the end of the day, rent is still due. And at the end of the day, you still have to eat food. So when you get people into a situation where they quit lying to themselves and they quit lying to other people, the first thing they have to do is quit worrying about what everyone else thinks of them because we don't even tap into ourselves because we're always so concerned with like, other people's opinions, their validations, like what they think of us, how they're talking about us behind their back. Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, You have to get past that to even be able to tap into yourself. Uh, so that would be the first thing. Um, and the way I do that with my clients is we do videos every day, every single day back and forth. I give, them, I give them something to think about, something to pose because here's the thing, I talk about a lot also in the terms of marketing. Is you know people are always out there making promises. It's like most coaches out there, are like I like I guarantee you're gonna lose X amount of pounds in X amount of days, or did, like how can you make a promise like that to somebody? Like you're you're just making a general blanketed statement. You're gonna lose 30 pounds in you know six weeks. Okay, cool. Well, what if that is a female that hears that? That's 120 pounds. You're telling you're gonna make this girl 90 pounds. Like, is that healthy? What if it's somebody that's extremely obese and they're 500 pounds and they're going, Oh cool. That's a dream come true. Okay. So you're going to take them down to what? 470. They're still not healthy. So we, we sell dreams and there's so much bullshit marketing out there and there's all these things that I tell clients, I'm like, dude, like I can, I can, you can have these things. They're there for you. I'm not guaranteeing them because I can't guarantee that you're going to do the work. It's all relying on you actually putting in the work. Um, so they have to do that. So we, the, the easiest way to start it is you have to look at yourself. Try being in an argument sometime. Be in an argument with your significant other. Anybody listen to this, be in an argument with your significant other and, and start losing your, your, your temper. Go look in the mirror while you're doing it. Watch yourself. And you are going to fuck yourself. And you're going to be like, who is that? That is not me. Because when you look at yourself, you cannot lie to yourself. You can't bullshit yourself. You can't continue to justify all these things. You see yourself. So my clients, they respond to my, I send them a video every single night. And it's kind of like I do those rants every morning, but it's pertinent to whatever area of life we're focusing on. So they get a two, three minute video from me every single night. They watch it, let it manifest while they sleep. It's part of setting up their morning routine in the morning. They have to allot me 10 minutes in the morning to rewatch that video and send me their response. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter. Like, it's not like I might be talking about being cheated on and they have to have been cheated on to be able to respond. It's the principle, like whatever I pulled out of that to learn about something else in life, wherever your mind goes, get comfortable with it. People aren't comfortable with how they think. They're scared of how they think. They're embarrassed, they're ashamed of it half the time. So if I'm talking about getting cheated on and you think of a hippopotamus, like, dude, cool, talk about it, go with it. You better tell me an awesome ass story about this thing though. Like, don't be ashamed of it. And what happens over the course of, uh, it's a total of 84 days, it's 12 weeks long. Uh, we do videos. Uh, Monday through Friday, so I think it's a total of 65 videos they get, and then we do a a one-hour FaceTime check-in every Sunday. Um, That much, looking at yourself, speaking your mind, and starting to let it go and realize, like, I provide a safe zone for them to feel comfortable just saying whatever they want. The reason you don't know anything about this, if you look at my profile, is because I don't share it, because I'm not trying to get their testimonials and stuff. I'm trying to have a a true change in their lives. It's not about marketing to get the next round of people, and I got to focus on the people that I have right now. And it's about them. And if they think they're scared, I'm going to be putting it out there. If they don't feel that trust, dude, they're going to pull back because they have to get over that hump of, I really don't care what anyone thinks of me, but you have to figure out how you think of yourself first.
0: Man, what, what made you go from, uh, like fitness into so much of, I'm assuming you still help people lose weight and change their body and things like that. But obviously the mental side of things is a big part of that, or, whether it's in the middle of it or that's what leads to those fitness and health results. Like what made you personally want to go that route instead of just fitness and nutrition? I'm just curious because you're obviously so passionate about this part of it.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, So, so fitness is still part of this entire program because at the end of the day, uh, every single person from uh, the, the scrawny little dude in high school, that's getting shoved in a locker to the most elite bodybuilders that I know everybody suffers from body image issues and they're insecure about their body. It doesn't matter what level you're at. And, you know, we all step outside. What do we do? We're like, Oh, Oh my God. Like I have a pimple on my face.
0: Nobody cares. That person that you think is gives two shits about that pimple on your face is like, Oh my God, my
1: split ends. And <laughs> The other person that you're worried about is like, Oh my God, uh, do, do, are they going to make fun of the outfit I'm wearing? They don't see those flaws that you see in yourself all the time. And when you realize that you empower you like, yeah, I have a zit on my face. Oh, you want to make fun of my skinny jeans? Yeah, I vacuum seal them. They're even that much tighter. Go ahead and make fun of them. Tell me that it makes me less of a man. Like, who cares? I like them. It's what I want to wear. Uh, but when you realize that nobody cares, and anybody that is projecting those kind of things onto you, it's just a reflection of themselves. It's because they're so insecure about something with themselves that they want to take the attention away from that. And if I can make it a little bit worse with you, the relativity is going to tell me my issue's not a big deal. It takes attention away from me. I can't get judged Uh I grew up with that my whole life. Um, you know, uh, and, and it was that thing it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me because I experienced it so many times is worrying about what everybody was wearing when you'd be going out or around people. It's like, I want to fit in. I want to wear the right thing. Like, is this too much? Is this too little? Like, oh my God. All that. So you're trying to uh, uh, appeal to everybody else. And then you get out and you act like a fucking weirdo because you feel so not even in your own skin. Cause it's like, Oh, this isn't me. Like I wouldn't wear this. Like I don't feel comfortable. This like this isn't how I dress. This isn't how I am because we all put on a different hat to appeal to whatever's around us. I struggled with that the majority of my life. Um, and then I was training clients, and it was a couple. It was a, it was about a year into it, and and I had it set up pretty well then. But I started realizing, I'm like, man, I was like, I don't feel as passionate about this as I as I used to. I, I'm not as excited. I was like, do you think it wore off? Am I getting burnt out on it? Am I doing too many hours? What? what is it? And I realized what it was one morning when I had a client tell me that, um, they said that last week something, it was like, it's like one of those workouts where you have your client, like beat down to the point where they're like contemplating, like, it might just be easier to roll out and get hit by a car right now than to feel the agony that I'm feeling having to do this six minute plank right now. Um, and they're so broken down and they're like crying. And I'm like, I'm like, are you okay? And we talked for like 15, 20 minutes after the workout and all this stuff came up about their relationship and their job and all these different things. And they tell me about, you know, like, you know, they're, they're getting close to the point of a divorce and they're um, you know, they don't think they, they, they're probably going to get fired from their job and they don't know what to do and they're looking elsewhere and they don't feel comfortable at their job and all this stuff. We talked about it. So two weeks later, they brought it up to me and they're like, dude, they're like, I went home. I was in a better mood with my husband that morning because of that. Uh, I was so much more inept to get ready and go to work on time. And I was excited. And instead of brushing out the door at the last minute and spilling coffee on myself and getting cut off in traffic and freaking out, I was 15 minutes early to work because of that. I had started my work early because I was in a better mood all day. I wasn't just counting down the clock. So I got to go home and because of that. I was done so much earlier. I started helping people else around the office, get their stuff done. And I just kept doing it. That was only two weeks. I just got a promotion yesterday. And on that day I went home. And my husband had made me dinner. And it was like that, like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like, like, did you have to be nice before they were nice? It doesn't matter. They took responsibility. Instead of causing fault and putting fault on everybody else, they took responsibility for their life and they made actions happen that they wanted to see happen. And it was like a waterfall. And what I realized, I was like, dude, this all happened, not because of me, but because we had a conversation at a moment where you were so broke down. And this person, very, very wealthy. And what I realized, Fitness is a Trojan horse to get into people's lives. It's, it doesn't matter how nice you are, how funny you are, how much money you, have. I, you can have. You can be a billionaire. It doesn't matter. If you want this result, you have to do the work. Unless you're going to go buy some prosthetic abs. Like, it does not matter. You have got to do the work. So fitness puts us all in the same playing field, working out our body image. Because again, no matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter. You're probably chasing more money because you can't get your body to where you want it to be. So you're trying to compensate. So when I realized that that's what really affects people, as soon as that happened to this chick had the biggest physical transformation over the course of the next three months. And I'd already worked with her for about six months before that. And it was very stagnant. And What I realized is everyone's chasing their physical side of stuff. Like, because what? You can control that. So what happens? You get out of a relationship. Fuck that. I'm going to go get the best body of my life. Uh, if something bad happens at work. I'm going to go get the best body. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do this. I'm going to. So we chase getting a good body because we think that's going to equate to confidence and success where all these other areas of our life are falling apart. And the reality of it is you don't actually, a lot of times you don't achieve that body and you, and, 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 and it doesn't equate success. It doesn't equate happiness because you saw this bullshit going on in your life that you need to address. You can get the best set of six pack abs you've ever had in your life. It's not going to fix your relationship. It's not going to make you more valuable in the marketplace. It's not going to put you more in touch with who you are. You're actually going to probably lose yourself that much more because you're putting your identity into something arbitrary and external. Um, so I just started realizing that the real key to health and success is to actually get everything internally firing right and it's these other aspects of your life. So I broke life down into five areas and realized with fitness is the one that we always put as the priority, when in all reality, a back in a reverse engineered way is to put everything else as the priority, the health and the fitness side just happened.
0: Hey guys, I wanted to take a brief moment to remind you about the Boom Boom Elite, our membership site. This is literally the perfect place for you. The reason I know this is because you're listening to this podcast and anybody who listens to this podcast is a go-getter and an action taker. You are a person who is seeking information and education to better your body, better your performance, and finally transform your physique. I know this because people listening to this podcast really just seek results. And the one way to get better results is better training programs. But not only intelligently designed programs that actually build in progressions and avoid injuries along the way, but a place that's actually going to teach you how those programs are built. See, a lot of coaches and clients alike have insecurities about what they're putting on the piece of paper. Whether you're programming for yourself or you're programming for your clients, you probably have an insecurity or a lack of confidence in the programs you are creating. You probably question yourself. Are these programs actually going to work? Am I going to get injured along the way? When a plateau happens because it's bound to happen, what do I do? How do I adjust? How do I move through this plateau and finally start seeing results again? See, the Boom Boom Elite is not only a place to give you the programs that avoid these things and actually give you results, have built-in progressions, and make sure that you're not getting injured along the way, but it's a place that's going to educate you on how those things are actually built into the programs. So now, you have longevity in your results. You can actually adhere to them because you know what the hell is going on behind the scenes. And you can start creating your own programs that actually work and you have the confidence to know that they will work. So next time you put whatever you put on the piece of paper, you and your clients are confident and feel comfortable and actually believe in the system. Not to mention, they're actually gonna get results, which is the reason why we do this in the first place. So, because you're listening to this podcast, and because I know you're perfect for this, I wanted to take a second to just remind you about the membership site because this is the place that I spend every single day communicating with the environment, communicating with the community about training, about nutrition, about supplementation, about all the things that go inside of coaching. So if you want access to the Boom Boom Elite, click the link in the description below or go to boomboomperformance.com slash elite and sign up today. And without any further ado, let's get back onto this podcast. I love that, dude. I love the the Trojan analogy too, because um, it made me think of, you know, how many clients I've had deep conversations with. I mean, I've been doing this for eight years, so I can relate to you. Like a lot of great coaches who actually pursue this, they've had those deep conversations and they kind of say like, you know, I'm kind of a therapist too. But a lot of people will not go, especially men, will not go hire a therapist because it's, mm-hmm. it's egotistical to, I mean, their ego gets in the way. It's not manly, whatever it may be. Um, so like saying that fitness is a route to this is such a perfect analogy because it's the reality. A lot of people won't go get their mental health solved through a therapist or somebody like that, but they will hire a trainer. So like, it's our job to take it this way to help them. Um, and now I'm curious, uh, you, you mentioned the five paths. So I do have one other question kind of relating to all this, but I think it'll, it'll be better suited to come after this. Like, can you explain these five things that you're talking about? Yeah. Dude.
1: Um, and everybody, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of like, I've seen other programs out there and stuff and,
0: I've talked to other people
1: and, and people break them down all different ways. This is just the way I break essentially what encapsulates us in life. Yeah. And spirituality, which isn't, I don't, I don't think of it as religion. Uh, when I think spirituality, I'm talking I, more on the woo-woo side. Like your place in the universe. Do you have true understanding of who you are? That ability to wear whatever you want to the party and not give a shit what anyone else thinks about you because you are so in touch with who you are as an individual. And even if somebody is bashing you, like it doesn't really affect you. You know where you are in the universe. you place your value everything you have to bring to the table um and you're not wrapping it up into external components so spirituality and then business so uh business being your business launching a new business um you all your financials um and then from there we go into uh, personal intimate relationships uh because in that area is where you're going to find the people uh where people find their most comfort because like what does everyone say they you know l- let me backtrack when we talk about spirituality, you're going to, we're going to find the areas that people are uncomfortable with themselves, the hard truths that they don't want to face about themselves. In business, we're going to find the areas where people are trying to mask things with money or, or material goods, or cars or watches or all these things to give a lot of the external components. Um, when we go into intimate relationships, we're going to find the areas where people are uh, super comfortable. And, and everybody says the same thing. It's like, oh, I can, it's, it's that one area that I can just be myself. I can truly be myself. I'm not judged. I, I, you know, I feel so good with them. Um, and that's great. And that's why that's in the middle, because that's essentially what we're trying to encapsulate throughout the entire thing. Because then we go into family relationships and family relationships is where we like your mom, your dad, your brother, like growing up, it's where we find the, the, the insecurities, the things, the deep rooted issues that you learned at a young age, the things that affect you now as to why like, I don't like lampshades. Why? Oh, it comes out that when you were six years old, you got hit by your father with a lamp. Like, it's little tiny things like that. Uh, and it sounds so weird. I that's a weird example. But it is. Like, yeah. shit like that is what comes up. Um, uh, and then we finish off with fitness and health. Uh, throughout the entire program, we're, we're doing workouts. They get workouts from me every week. I work with them on their macros. I explain these things to them. They get videos. Uh, and it's not so much like, here's how you do a bench press. It's why are we doing a bench press? But it all becomes subliminal. So, like, I incorporate a 15 minute warm up every day for them. Um, Part of that 15 more, if if I told you to get on a treadmill and warm up for 15 minutes, dude, that is the longest 15 minutes of your life. But if I give you a phone or you pick up your phone and you're going to learn something about what you're about to do, you're vested into it. You're that much more excited to do it. That 15 minutes passes by. So, I give a breakdown of how to understand fitness, how to understand health, how to understand nutrition, how to understand what we're doing at the gym and everything you're about to do that day. So that you do that over the course of 12 weeks, you lose that lack of confidence in the gym or you think everyone's judging you. You, you learn why you're in the gym. You learn why you want to get bigger. You understand why you are searching out having a six pack the way, and you really start to understand why you're chasing those things. But we teach you how to get to that point. Um, so we do all of that and you know, it's just those are the five areas that I kind of break it down into that I think make up us as individuals.
0: I love it, man. I think uh, I think education for clients is so important. We talk about it all the time because we do the same thing. If we don't tell you why you're doing something, your compliance and consistency with it is going to drop so much. You need to understand why you're doing what you're doing in order to stay consistent with it. And we know consistency is the key to all long-term progress. So now that we've kind of touched on the mental side of things, you're Implementation of these things, like what you're focusing on with clients, what you focus on with yourself. I kind of want to circle back because you mentioned briefly and you told a little bit of a story about it when I met you in person about your father. Um, and I'm assuming that had to come back into your life at some point to teach you some of these lessons. And I'm just curious of what that has done for you and like the good and the bad, especially because number one, there's a lot of people listening to this that didn't have a dad around, don't have a dad around, had a bad relationship with their dad, whatever it may be, and they let that hold them back or that dictates the way they act in their relationships or with their kids, so on and so forth. Um, and I think to, in today's society, I mean, should I've been on a podcast about this. I've had other people on my podcast about this. It's just such a big, like, movement right now, this, like... Um, I don't know if it's just the dad movement, whatever it is, like successful dads, like being like great dads and, and uh, opening up about like how your dad wasn't there. I mean, I've been to business events. I don't know if you're familiar with Wake Up Warrior where the guy said, you know, there's like a thousand guys in this room. He said, raise your hand if you have if you had an issue with your father if you had dad issues and like 99% of the guys in the room raise their hand all like big winners successful guys paid a lot of money to be there and it's just it's just a common thing and i think that holds a lot of people back so i'm just curious of like if you want to kind of tell your story or just want to kind of dive into like what that has taught you in today um that helps you keep making these mental wins i guess you could call it
1: yeah man um so i guess i guess like ultimately the whole thing is is like I mean, I can say to him and be like, yeah, like, all of us were beat by my by, by father. Like, um, I mean, I, I think he, like, broke my brother's leg after a football game when I was super young because he didn't rush for enough yards and they lost. Um, you know, things like that. Like, uh, you know, growing up, I saw him hit my stepmom a couple times. And that was at a super young age. I think that was, like, five, five years old. Um, just things like that. And, and what it did is, between that, and I, and I didn't see him that often. Is I I'd see him, I think it was like every other weekend or something, and he didn't live that far away from me, um, but I was the only one that never lived with him, uh, and and to see the difference because I'd be around that, and then I'd be back around like my mom, my grandma, and people like that, dude. It, like it, the appreciation level that I grew for females, I think, on the forefront of that, um, like obviously it gave me a very big issue with like violence towards women. Um, or just demeaning, but it gave me this like insight to something that I didn't even know it was like formulating that whole like toxic masculinity issue or the, the topic of it, or the idea or the concept behind it. And I was like, I grew up a big kid and my dad never had much to say to me except for being like, oh, dude, you're going to be huge. You're going to be an NFL player. Because I mean, like I was at age 12, I think I was like five and 200 pounds. Uh, however, like two years later, if you look at like basketball photos, I was the giant. And then like two years later, everyone else just kept going up and I just stopped. I, I basically have been this size my entire life. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but more than anything is he showed me everything like, I don't want to be. And I don't want to act like, um, which, <clears throat> which is funny because my mom showed me everything I do want to be and how I do want to act. You know, like there's things to this day, like I, I tear up when I think about, what she went through, like, uh, think about when we get out of relationships, uh, what do we want to do? We want to bash that other person so that everyone else feels our pain of what we went through. because <coughs> We want everyone to be sympathized with us. We want them to hate that other person most of the time. Um, and then I think about the shit that my mom went through that I've heard from like other family members, not even my mom, my mom never came to me like, uh, you know, your father used to beat me, he cheated on me, he took all the money, he tried to make our, my business bankrupt. Um, that wasn't her. She was never trying to build a case against that because she knew that the truth always plays out and that people need to develop and, and, and create their own opinions for themselves. Um, so she showed me how I want to be. And that was like such a long lesson. But I, I can't imagine going through that trauma and then looking at your son, who she loves, because I'm awesome, and telling me, dude, I so want you to like, have a good relationship with your father. Don't say anything bad about him. Because she never wanted to be the person that was like influencing me to make this, and what it did it made such a strong much stronger impactful opinion and ideology of that entire situation uh, than if she were to tell me all these bad things about him and you know and it's so funny how it plays out because if I look at that that analogy of like my father showed me how like not to do shit in life and my mom showed me how to do stuff in life uh, it's It's like when we look at like motivation in life is we we always talk like, yeah, I'm motivated. Or like we we try to listen to the best podcast or we try to listen to some awesome YouTube thing or sniff an ammonium cap and listen to some heavy metal music, throw it against the wall. It doesn't matter. Your ass is still going to get buried under that squat because motivation is fleeting. It goes out because until you take it and you make it internal, you make it into inspiration. So I would look at motivation as like a pull or I'm sorry, a push, a pushing factor. Like, and it tells you all the things that you don't want in life. Um, like uh, most diets, most people go into it like, I can't eat this, I can't eat this, I can't eat sugar, I can't eat cake, I can't enjoy this, I can't do this. It's all the things you can't do. It's not about like, why are you doing it though? And my mom was always that light of like, and I think Tony Robbins talks about it between the difference between a push factor and a pull factor. Like I, it was pulling me to do the good things in life. It was pulling me to live a good life. It was pulling me to be moral and have my own ideas and be myself but it factors over into the way we handle ourselves in the world. And in the most tangible light I can see is uh, my coach pointed out to me last year when I was talking about my ability to speak, I was like, man, I was like, I can't talk. Like I get up in front of people. And it's not that I'm nervous. It's that all I can think about is being super empathetic. I'm thinking of what everyone, I know I want to get this good message out, but I'm thinking of what everyone in the audience is thinking or like what their roadblocks are going to be or where it's going to shut them off to my message. So I'm more concerned with trying to knock down those those barriers that I don't even know if truly exist. That's me, and I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I get so jumbled up because I like I'll do all that, and then I'll get like part of my message out, and then I'm think of the next thing I'm going to say, and I try to knock down all those, so I never get. And he's like, Yeah, he's like, you know what you're doing, he's like, that's your father. You're you're so focused on not portraying your message the wrong way that you're never proactively getting your message out. That you're, and it's what we all do all the time. We're so focused on, I don't want these people to not like me. I don't want these people to make fun of me. I don't want to do this the wrong way that we don't ever actually show our value. We don't ever show like our light. We don't actually show what our skill sets are, you know? So think about being in a board meeting. What does everyone do? Everyone keeps their fucking mouth shut all the time. And that's why you stay working in the paper room your entire life because you go, Oh, I'm going to say, Oh, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get made fun of. And I don't want I don't want them to be like, you have no business saying that, but guess what? It's the motherfuckers that open their mouth and share their value. That's like, who is this dude? And he's getting a promotion right now. Like that's what pulls you forward. So if there's anything I took out of that and all that rambling I just did, it would be to quit focusing on worrying about doing shit the wrong way in life and start going after the positive, be proactive. Don't stress all the time about like, yeah, there's risk with everything. But again, there's reward on the other side of it. Like you're never going to expect. Experience it, And what happens? We see in this comfort zone where it's like, I don't have to risk anymore. I'm also not going to get more reward, but I'm comfortable right here. And life isn't about staying uh, plateaued. It's about progression. It's not always about reaching the summit. It's about progressing towards that summit. That's all it is.
0: There's a couple things that you've, I mean, that keep coming up in my head about you um, and what you're saying. The first one is perspective. Like, I think you have a very, very good perspective. And I think if you do not have a good perspective, you're going to be constantly drowning in the negative or the worry or the fear of judgment, projecting your stories on other people. Um, and then the other thing is like taking action. Like you said, if you constantly get sucked in these stories, you just never take action. If we don't execute, nothing's going to happen. So the way I kind of want to wrap some of this up is and especially because people are always asking me like what is your morning routine like what do you do in the morning when you wake up and it's like a big catchy thing I'm just curious like I want to know a little bit more about your day-to-day life so how do you stay so positive with your perspective and consistently take action like what does your morning routine look like what practices are you doing in your day like meditation any journaling things like that Um, because obviously you're teaching a lot of people this and they're seeing success but you have to live it just as much if not more to consistently see the same results and obviously be that light for them so I'm just curious like what does your day look like what do you do Um, to this way
1: yeah man um anytime I tell anybody this it's like I, I, I do preface this with the aspect of just the same way we look at people and we're like, Oh, I want to have what they have. And we go, or we look at somebody with like the body we want to have, we go, Oh, I need to do everything they do. And we try to embody exactly what they do. It's not that you got to take the principle out of it. Like yep. what do they do? They're consistent. They go to the gym. It's not about that you're necessarily workout for workout exercise for exercise and nutrition macros, everything that they do. It's going to give you that same result. You got to follow the principles and apply it to your life. So yeah. when we talk about a morning routine, the biggest thing is in that I have to wake up at the same time. I have to do it in this order and I have to do the exact same things and I have to eat the exact same things and go about it the exact same way. Pull the principle out of it. I'm doing things that are self, for self-development. They're for myself. So if there is a principle about my morning routine, it's all about serving myself and being as selfish as hell as I can possibly be before I even look or consider anybody else exists in this world. I love that. Um, you know, and it's, it's weird, man. It's like, it's so hard because you grow up with this concept of thinking selfish is bad. the Selfish is the most unselfish thing you can do. I'm not talking about knock over the old lady reaching for the last box of cereal at the grocery store. I'm talking about, uh, like what do you what? What did most people do in the morning? You wake up, you roll over, and you grab Check your phone, yep. Yeah, exactly. Go on social media. So, what do you do when that happens? As soon as you pick up your phone, you look at social media, you start comparing. You start going, My life's not that good. All the while, social media is a highlight reel. So, no matter what, your life isn't as good as that. it's never gonna be. Their life isn't that good. It's not real. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> For the most part, there are some after yeah, yeah. 100 out there, but I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. No, like, and even if you do go on there to be like, think, I mean, think about it because people always say this shit, like, oh, it's a highlight reel. Well, yeah, but what else is it going to be? If I were to be like, oh, today sucks and this is bullshit, it'd be like, oh, dude, this dude's <laughs> negative as shit. Like, yeah, I don't want to listen to that. So you've got to take it with, with a grain of salt. Um, so I don't even touch my phone in the morning. I keep it off to the side. Uh, I get up, very first thing I do. Is uh, I jumped my happy house in the shower, freezing cold shower. Uh, I'm up to about like a minute and a half right now. Um, it's and, and it's fun because, like, when I was playing at Ohio State, I remember I used to do an ice bath every morning and we had giant ass jacuzzi. I mean, like, you, you could fit like 30 people in it, and uh, I think it was like it was probably kept around like 38 degrees. It was cold, Jeez. but I also remember like once you got further into it, like, I mean, dude, once you go numb, it doesn't matter. Uh, I remember my days were so much better when I did that and I and I followed through on things so much better. Why? Because I had no desire to do that. So I started my day doing something that I don't really want to do. But as soon as you take a freezing cold shower and step out of it, it sucks for a second, like stubbing your toe. And you, like all next to you dude, you feel so refreshed. You feel your entire system, like, everything firing. And you like in your head it's like I just overcame something that I didn't want to do as an obstacle and I overcame it. Um so I take a freezing cold shower I uh, meditate uh, by only like five to 10 minutes. I'm not one of those people that can sit down for like 45, 15 minutes and meditate. Um, four to five minutes, or I'm sorry, five to 10 minutes. And, and I'm still learning it. Like I'm doing a really cool uh, meditation program from a friend of mine that's actually about to open a new meditation or a yoga place in Columbus. And uh, I learned so much about like, because we all judge ourselves when we're trying to do meditate. It's like, oh, I'm not doing it the right way. And I'm not doing this. And if you start focusing on that, you're actually not doing it at all. Yeah. So uh, so that's been awesome. So freezing cold shower, meditate, and then I read uh, something. It could be a paragraph, a sentence, 60 pages. doesn't matter. As soon as I find the first thing that sticks out to me that I can apply to my life, I take it and I spin it and I, and I journal it. Uh, I just do it on my iPad and I have a whole notes section. Uh, I've done this every day for since last February. Um, I'm at a point where I have about 500 pages 600 pages of notes now and uh it's I'm formulating it into a book um and that just kind of came as a secondhand thing like I didn't ever set out with the intention of doing that I just started putting it together Mark so it's like you do all these things and other shit starts sprouting out from it that you can use so I read uh and by the end of that like I do uh like uh I do my greens in the morning I do like a green shake because I suck at eating vegetables I know that and I make sure I chug it, at least I have a gallon of water before I leave the house at around
0: eight AM. Dude, I love yeah. that. It's we have a very similar routine actually. Besides the cold shower, that that one I've I've thought about doing. Um once maybe once this leg heals, I'll start doing it. But that's funny because I do I'm the same way. Like meditation, like once I stopped comparing to like how I'm supposed to meditate and realized it's it's a time for me to close my eyes and actually just focus on what I want to focus on or stop focusing on what I don't want to focus on, um, and I just calm down. I spend like five minutes, like it's it's not much either. I read and I stop once I have an aha moment, like a light bulb moment. And I journal that. So it's funny, man. Like very very similar. I do my green streak in the morning. So I think the big thing with this is I've been doing this for a really long time, and that's why it works. So a lot of people listening, like you said it perfectly. I always say like life is a game like here's some tools like play it with your own way right everybody has their own tools everybody uses their tools their own way just do your own thing you don't have to do it like we're doing it but the key is that you're doing something for yourself and you're doing it very consistently because you're not going to meditate and take a cold shower and then one time and then boom you're successful and happy and just everything's going the right way so i think it's that compound effect so i'm really glad you kind of prefaced that way Um, and i think it's applicable i think everybody can take that and actually do something with it because it's just it's just something in the morning um oh and then last but not least no phone like that was the biggest thing i think that everybody needs to listen to is like i i even have my alarm go off on my phone i hit mm-hmm. the off button and i put it in my pocket and i don't touch it again until my whole routine is done around like 8 or 9 a.m and i think that's one of the biggest things that changed everything for me as far as positive oh, well
1: well i mean if you think about it it's like and people don't equate it to that they're like i'm just interested in what's going on or like I mean, like, people are fucking addicted to it. Like, it's an addiction. Like, you can't, I, I think, I think what it is, they say, like, uh, the average person checks their phone at least once every 90 seconds. Like, crazy. Think about that. Like, that, that, that's your life. Like, and again, Simon Sinek talks about it, about addiction. And it's like, what do we do? We have age restrictions on alcohol, pornography, gambling, cigarettes. Why? Because it has an addictive effect. It's what social media is. People can't walk room to room without having their phone with them. They can't go to the bathroom without taking their phone with them. They can't sit down at dinner without putting their phone face down. Uh, and it's like, when you can start practicing these things to start breaking that addiction, it's like, think of how much more present you are in conversations. Think of how much more present you are and how much more you show up. You know, you talk about relationships. It's the first thing I ask people when they're talking about their issues in their relationships, I ask them like, when you guys, like, do you guys go out on dates? Do you guys give each other time? Okay, when you do this, Is your phone on the table? Are you checking your phone? Are you present, or are you like you have it visible? Well, like most of the time, it's like well I leave it face down. It doesn't matter. You're sending a message to the other person that they're not as important as having your phone nearby, and that's a message. But you have to actually be able to practice the ability to know you can learn stuff and do shit without your phone. People did it for a very very long time, and this nobody knows it now. So, but I think the whole aspect of a morning routine, you know, I hate. I hate a lot of different industries. I don't like the coaching industry. I don't like the fitness industry for the most part because it's skeezy and it preys on people's insecurities. There are some definitely some great coaches out there. There are great aspects of the fitness industry, uh, but they prey on things. Um, And, and there's so much out there in every industry, no matter what it is, that's negative. And if you don't own yourself before you touch that handle of your door to step outside for the day, it's like you're just letting the universe control what's going to happen to you. Um, if you wake up and it's that whole idea like, I hate memes because they don't go up any further. Like wake up at 3am to be successful. Well, what does that mean? It's not that you need to wake up at 3am. It's that it's not about wake up super early. It's make sure you go to bed at night on time because you can't just deprive yourself of sleep. I know people that just wake up early just to wake up early, but they don't do anything with their time. What yeah. are you doing with that time? Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's the concept, It's the exact same thing as we're talking about our morning routine. You don't have to do it to a T. It's not that you have to wake up at three a.m. or four a.m. or five a.m. It's totally relative to you. It's just make sure you serve yourself before you worry about serving the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I love everything you're saying, man. This this took a slightly different turn from what I had planned on, but um, I love this. I think this is so important. I think this is actually what's missing in a lot of coaching practices or just in the industry in general. Like nobody talks about this for two reasons. Number one is because a lot of people don't have their shit together enough to talk about it. Um, and number two, people ignore it because their egos are too big, right? They just don't buy into it. And it's it, the reality is this stuff is so fucking important that nothing is going to be successful without it. And even if you do reach a result, you're not going to be happy when you get there, if you don't think about these things before you get there. So I'm glad we went this path, man. I have one final question for you. I ask all my guests this, it's kind of like a personality question. Um, and and here is the uh, situation. I'm actually really excited to hear your answer. You're sitting at a dinner. I'm, I'm getting on
1: the edge of my seat for this one.
0: Yeah, dude, this is a good one. Some people come to the show and they're like already like ready to do it. So you have three empty seats in front of you at this dinner table. And you can put anybody you want in those seats, alive or dead, but they cannot be friends or family. Who is sitting at that table with you?
1: Um, I would want to be able to have a legit conversation with a caveman.
0: Uh, That's a really good answer.
1: I uh, think uh, like mostly because I want to know how they operate and did everything with like, literally only the essentials in life. Like, making it happen, like, because I think that's one of our biggest things that plagues us all the time. Like, we all look, oh, we don't have resources, and I'm, I can't do this because I don't have a website, I don't have this. Like, I think it's so fucking interesting. Like, they literally had nothing. Like, I want to know, like, how did you start that process? Um, next one, super controversial, I'm sure, and it's not because I think he's great or I'm uh, uh,
0: racist or
1: anything, but Hitler
0: dude you're From the market. fourth guest to say hitler believe it or not yeah. Every, yeah and every time the people are like look i don't like the guy but hitler it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. i mean it's
1: it's it's, it's the uh, the psychology behind it yeah. Like the ability to sway hundreds of thousands millions of people to do something so horrible but it's not that about the horrible act it's about like just the ability to have that impact and, and, and change people's minds not because i want to manipulate people but because dude, like how fascinating like to change an entire country to think horrible about something because yeah. i think because to me there's not good or bad in the world it's whatever you perceive it to be so even though that's bad that same power could be turned around to be used to impact people for the good
0: yeah
1: uh i think that's awesome um let's see the last one Man, that's a tough one. It's funny because I've never really found my motivations or inspirations from outside sources. It's always been like my mom, my grandma, my uncle, yeah. like, uh, people I know. Um, let me think. Oh, Who else? Mm, I would have to say... Okay, this one's going to sound weird. Uh, I would honestly have to say... And this isn't like, oh, he's being so sympathetic and understanding and trying to break down bears. barriers. Uh, Rosa Parks. Yeah. And, and, what, and, and like what that whole idea stood for. Uh, because uh, like at the end of the day, that was literally someone, from my understanding of everything and my interpretation of everything I've ever read or heard, it's like somebody that literally just did not give me shit. They did what they felt was right. Um, and, it, and they didn't even do it at tons of people's expenses. Like, like what she did, uh, in my opinion, about standing your ground on stuff and, and, and doing what you follow in your heart and staying true to yourself, regardless of everything, the way society is telling you what you have to comply with, uh, I think it's how everybody should be every aspect of their life every single day. Um, because she didn't do it at everyone else's expense we think we have to do everything at other like we have to step on people to get to where we go she just literally was like no like I'm, I'm not doing anything she wasn't violent about it i mean like i wasn't there granted there's probably conspiracy theory somewhere someone on a couch is hearing this it's going to be like, oh no this is what happened i read it <laughs> uh but at the end of the day man just that concept man like that that takes some courage and, that, yeah. and you're talking about a time that's not now it's not progressive back
0: then like i think that's cool as shit yeah Dude, that'd be a very interesting table, a very powerful table. I love it, man. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I
1: think we'd have to treat it like that old that, – what was that dating show on MTV back in the day where there's, like, walls in between. You don't know who's on the other side of it. I think, uh, I think we would need to keep it like that based on the criteria of people that I would have at that. But uh, <laughs> Very true. It'd probably, it'd probably, it'd probably be better.
0: Yeah. No shit. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really do appreciate it. I've been excited about this since we got to meet and we'll have to connect again. Cause you're full of knowledge and where can, uh, where can everybody find your stuff, all your stuff? I, I went, like I said before, I went to your Instagram, you don't even have a website on there. So it's like just free content there. Give everybody your Instagram, uh, handle, but then also if you do have a website or other things that they can go check out, like where can everybody find your stuff?
1: Um, I do everything through grant me a body on Instagram, uh, just one word, obviously, because it's a handle. But um, I, I, I pretty much every platform is grant me a body. Uh, I do Facebook. I, I pretty much base everything. I don't know. I don't. I don't twat. I don't understand the Twitter. Uh, I'm like an old man in that sense. Uh, but yeah, Instagram for everything. I do my stories on there every day. I do rants on there every day. Uh, I think that's where like the majority of everything's come from. Like all my traffic for anything. I don't run like ads. I don't. I don't do anything like that.
0: It's literally just giving
1: out that value. And then when my program is available, like when I'm taking on more clients, I just make it known.
0: Love it, dude. Well, dude, once again, thank you for coming on the show, man. I think people really enjoy this. Thank you. I appreciate it.